Today on Ag News Daily. Cow-calf herd, we do farm a little bit. We're not big into the farming side. Um, Our general income is based off of our cattle side. And that uh, here lately, as all of you know, it has been rough. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Performance Livestock Analytics, which we're going to chat a little bit more about in today's interview with a farmer that actually uses the system. But of course, I am Delaney Howell, joined by my co-host, Mike Pearson, and our intern, Ashton Carr. How did you guys, what'd you guys do over the weekend? Did you have a good Memorial Day weekend? I had a, I had a great Memorial Day weekend. One of my friends, she had her graduation party, and I actually ran into a listener at the party, and it was so funny. He told me that he was Agnes Daly's biggest fan, so shout out to Wyatt Harlan. Hope he's listening today. Hey, That's we awesome. love to hear about that. Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in, Wyatt. What about yeah, you, tell you what. I had a I had a, a pretty chill Memorial Day weekend. Took a boat out on Sunday. Caught like the two hours of non-severe weather in central Iowa. Got out on the water a little bit, and then uh, yesterday, last night, I'm staying uh, in well, just north of Des Moines. There was a tornado that came through mm-hmm. uh, Des Moines. Just an EF1 tornado through Johnston. Did a little storm chasing. Never saw it, but uh, got out there. Got the uh, got the car all cleaned off with the heavy rain and. I tell you what, though, did a little driving around this morning north of Des Moines between Ames and Des Moines. A lot of fields with standing water. I mean, it's way too early to predict brownout spots. Of course, we got, you know, four days of, uh, b- before we got to get concerned about the corn standing in the field. But I tell you what, that was an abundance of moisture that fell not just across central Iowa, but across a lot of places in the Corn Belt with these pop-up thunderstorms over the weekend, Delaney. So I think we're going yeah. to continue to see some ongoing concerns and perhaps some weather premium in these markets, which... I think we're seeing a little bit of that today. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I haven't really shared this with our listeners yet, but I actually started a new job in Des Moines for an ag marketing company. So I've been driving to Des Moines almost every day as well and saw so much rain. I was actually driving to Des Moines last night during that nice tornado action. But uh, yeah, this morning I was... I was very, very surprised at the amount of fields that have standing water. It looks, unfortunately, like a repeat of 2019 in some of the areas I was driving through in Iowa yesterday and today. Yeah, I mean, the good news is, at least for our Iowa listeners or uh, Iowa, Illinois, parts of Indiana, the crop's already in the ground. So we're miles mm-hmm. ahead of 2019. That's true. Now, of course, we just got to get that crop all the way to harvest. And uh, I think we ought to have our good friend Ed Valley from Empire Weather back on just to see if this is maybe the the weather scenario we're setting ourselves up for here this year. Yeah, I think that that would be a good idea, Mike. Well, weather is always driving headlines, but so much else is always moving the news needle in the world of agriculture. Ashton, what headlines are you keeping an eye on today? So I read a headline this morning about small meat processors. They're being overwhelmed as larger plants are shutting down, which is a little bit expected, and they're operating at reduced capacity. The number that I read this morning was there's 1,500 independent American slaughterhouses, and they're being slammed with carcasses to process, and some of them are even being forced to turn away farmers. One slaughterhouse in Stanhope, Iowa, actually mentioned that they were booked until next June, and small plants are processing up to twice the amount of cattle and hogs than in previous in the previous year. With all the livestock coming into the processes, slaughterhouses are having a tough time harvesting these animals. And so it's just kind of blowing my mind that we're having all of these livestock carcasses coming in and we're not having enough 
manpower to to harvest them and put them out into the market. I'm glad you picked that story up because I was going to report the same one. It's a report out by Reuters. I'd encourage all of you listeners that are marketing directly to consumers to uh, to share this with folks that are maybe frustrated they can't get livestock in to get processed their local lockers because I think it does a really good job highlighting some of the disparities. Um, it's a news article called How About Next June? Small Meat Processors Backlogged as Virus Idols Big Plants. They're at Reuters. And, you know, Delaney, we'll, and we'll jump right back to this, I'm sure. But there was a fantastic story in here about how you know, sometimes out of touch even ag departments can be. Uh, mm-hmm. This was up in Canada. Reuters reported that uh, Red Deer Lake Meats is a, uh, a small processor up in Alberta. And when the Red Deer uh, Cargill plant was shut down, apparently the ag department called on this local butcher to, quote, help pick up the slack from that Cargill plant. And the owner said, that's absurd. Cargill slaughters 4,500 head per day. We're lucky if we do 20 a week. You know, there's just only so much capacity they can utilize to uh, to pick up the slack when these big plants go down. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we get a beef or a hog butchered, you know, probably once a year. And I'm kind of nervous that honestly, we're not going to be able to get one done this year. I mean, we usually go get about one a year and I'm kind of nervous we're not going to be able to get one this year. But I think, you know, that just well, I tell you, lends Lenny, itself. If you don't already have it scheduled. I know. I, I've been um, calling around. I, I had the chance to buy a hog and I was like, yes, getting a whole hog. You know, we're going to play mar- pay market prices. Called around to every locker mm-hmm. I could find in central Iowa nobody's got any openings mm. um, until January at the earliest. Yeah, I'm not sure if we had already scheduled ahead or we were banking on being able to schedule. I don't know. I need to do a little more digging. But with all that being said, the USDA is putting out some estimates for 2020 when it comes to food prices. And I think this lends itself nicely to talking about not only what's going on at the packing facility and on the protein side of things, but just overall in our food system. They're estimating now that grocery prices at the store will rise probably 2 to 3%. And they're talking general produce, but for products such as eggs, that's going to be up 8 to 9%. And beef prices are also expected to be upwards of 3 to 5% here over the next year. So we're expecting to see pretty, I guess, I don't know, 2 to 3% is in a huge increase. I suppose the eggs at 8 to 9% is. You know, and it'll be interesting, I think, to see if those egg price trends verify. I had the chance, well, on, on Saturday this weekend, I helped my mom build a patio. And uh, or a new porch, new deck, I guess. Elevated structure for outdoor living, we'll call it. And uh, one of the guys that helped is a a really good friend of our family and a great supporter of ours over the years. And uh, he is a co-owner of Southwest Iowa Egg, an egg cooperative Mm -hmm. in Southwest Iowa. And early in the, so most of their eggs are sold whole for breaking. So they go to a breaking plant where they're, you know, made into liquid egg. And uh, he said early in the virus, you know, we talked about this. Egg prices exploded, right? They went from 14 cents a dozen up to about 283, which were prices at the wholesale maxed out. So a huge, huge increase. But according to Frank, egg prices that they're receiving have since collapsed and they're now back down under the cost of production as retail demand, you know, restaurants and institutions, schools and so forth, haven't yet come back online. So I wonder if that egg price is going to actually verify. Hmm. I don't know. You have to keep an eye out at the grocery store. 
Yes, indeed. Well, Ashton, what other headlines are you keeping an eye on today? So another one that I was looking at earlier today, it's dealing with Africa and the Middle East. So swarms of locusts are invading the, those parts of the world. And it's one of the largest locust swarms in 26 years, I believe I read. And Kenya, Ethiopia, and Somalia are particularly at risk um, for food security. National emergencies have been declared in Pakistan, Jordan, and Somalia, and more than 140,000 acres of crops have been damaged in Pakistan since last April. So this is not a new issue. They said that this aggressive swarm of locusts were caused by heavy rains in 2018 and 2019. And so um, those rains made the desert soil an ideal place for these locusts to lay their eggs. And so I think it was probably a little bit anticipated with that weather that they had going on in late 2019. But the U.S. cotton industry could, however, benefit from this invasion as the textile industry is Pakistan's biggest employer. The country is anticipated to fall 25 to 30 percent short of its projection cotton production. So they will more than likely have to rely on U.S. cotton imports. So that might be a little light at the end of the tunnel for our cotton industry um, as prices have been kind of varying with all of COVID-19 going on. Yeah, I yeah, don't absolutely. And you know, it's interesting. Go ahead, Lane. Well, I said I don't know a lot about these locusts, but I've heard a lot of reports. We've talked about those. Are they locusts that are like eating people that are huge that are other countries are actually eating? You know I know. About... No, like no, like I not physically a eating movie people. That never made it past the drying. No, no, no. We were talking about some bug within the last couple of weeks. I can't remember if it was a locust or what. It was eating people. Well, like not physically eating them, but like biting them. Was and then, it the murder hornet? Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, very, okay. very different creatures. These locusts okay. are, are decimated crops. I mean, in Ashton, I'm really glad you raised that issue about Pakistan's cotton production because I've been watching the cotton market. And, you know, today we're up fairly big in cotton price. I know we don't report on it generally here on the Ag News Daily podcast. But I couldn't figure out why other than just it was a reaction to the broad market news. But you're right. If Pakistan's crop and therefore India's crop could be impacted as well, that could certainly spur demand for U.S. cotton. So really, thank you for bringing that story. Hmm. Look at you, Ashton. You're learning things already. You're teaching us things, actually. Teaching. She's an educator. I love it. (laughs) Absolutely. I just have a quick story here. And again, it's something that I've been keeping an eye on, which is the spread of COVID-19 in meatpacking facilities down in Brazil. It was reported that another BRF plant in southern Brazil has now uh, got 340 workers testing positive for COVID-19. Now, they say that's 6.6% of their 5,100 workers in the facility. So it's still a very, very small plant. This is in Concordia in Santa Catarina. Um, And uh, they, they do say that those workers have been suspended and they're being diagnosed using rapid testing. So, I, you know, who knows how accurate the testing process is. But they're saying this is starting to raise concerns or continuing to raise concerns about infections in Brazil meatpacking plants. This plant has not closed. They are facing a lot of pressure from the administrators of the state and the governor, uh, government of Brazil to shut the plant down, at least for a little while to clean. But there are no mandates to do so. So BRF is continuing to process meat. Um, at those plants. So we'll continue to keep an eye on this. It is that ongoing thing. Brazil is slated to overtake the U.S. in terms of total COVID cases and deaths here shortly based on the curve, you know, scientists are looking at. 
Well, in other news related to Brazil, they have been exporting huge amounts of Brazilian soybeans at record-setting pace for months. They have been shipping out about 43 million metric tons of soybeans between the months of January through April, with 80% of that heading for, I'm sure you're all guessing it by now, China. So looking ahead, they are expected to export another 10 million metric tons to China here both in June and July. But after that, volumes are expected to decline through the end of the year, hopefully giving the United States a window once we get into harvest season to export some soybeans out of the country and into China. Yeah. And, you know, I think to really capitalize on that, we're going to have to see the dollar weaken a little bit Mm -hmm. or the Brazilian real strengthen. You know, it's just that ongoing disparity. Cheapest Brazilian real gives the Chinese so much purchasing power when they look down to South America, which is definitely a hindrance. But the market didn't seem to mind today. We saw beans up big. Corn was in the positive. Uh, Wheat was both sides of unchanged. But I tell you what, should we jump into the markets or do we have some more news to share? I just had one other quick thing I wanted to mention before we hop into markets, and that is that the CFAP payments begin today. So get in there to your FSA offices. I've heard from other farmers, the paperwork is pretty simple. So get in there and get that filled out. Hey, thanks for mentioning that, Delaney. That's exactly right, because prices are up, but we're still seeing a lot of red ink on farms across the country. So get that government cheese when you can. Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, let's take a look. As I mentioned, we got mixed trade in the grains today, positive trade in the livestock market. Looking at corn, the July contract was up a penny at 319 even, down a little bit from its overnight strength. Trade is anticipating we'll see 90% of corn in the ground. We'll have the updated crop progress numbers on tomorrow's Ag News Daily podcast. December contract up one and a quarter at 334 even. Soybeans, big mover on the day. The July was up 14 cents to close at 847 and a quarter. November new crop up a dime, finished at 854 and a half. Wheat, as I mentioned, both sides have unchanged. July closed lower, down two cents at 506 and three quarters. December down one and three quarters to finish at 519 and three quarters. Looking over at the world of livestock, we've got a lot of green on the screen today. June live cattle up $1.70 at 99.40. The August contract up $1.92 and a half to finish at 99.25. In feeder cattle, the August front month contract limit up in feeders up the daily 450 trading limit closed at 133.30. September was limited up for most of the day. It pulled back just slightly at the close, finished $4.27.5 higher at $134.42.50. In lean hogs, the July contract was up $3.67.5. That is the daily limit. Finished the day at $59.57.50. The August up $2.87.50 to close at $57.15. <laughs> Looking over at the dairy market, in class three milk today, we've got the May contract up a penny at $12.19. The June up big again, higher by 46 cents to finish at 17.49. Without further ado, let's dive into that Tech Tuesday conversation about the performance beef system from Performance Livestock Analytics with Andy Evans from the Rocky E. Cattle Company. Well, for today's Tech Tuesday interview, we are joined by a farmer using performance livestock analytics system chatting today with Andy Evans of Seneca, Kansas of Rocking E Cattle Co. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. 
So Andy, I want to talk a little bit before we get to talking performance livestock analytics and what you guys are using in your operation. I want to talk a little bit more about your area of Kansas because I was, as I was mentioning before we started recording today, you guys are not very far from St. Joseph, Missouri. You're in a very, very northeastern part of Kansas, almost touching Nebraska. Tell us a little bit about the agricultural makeup in that part of the country. Um, the agricultural makeup of where we where we live is uh, a lot of farm ground, slow rolling hills. Um, we're in terrace country in our farm ground, obviously. We used to have a lot of pasture. Uh, a lot of it's been torn up, turned into farm ground, but it's there's still a lot of cattle in Nemaha County. Some days uh, I think the cattle outnumber the people almost. Um, we're a very agricultural related community. Um, almost everything in this, in where we live is somehow tied to agriculture. Absolutely. Uh, we see that a lot of rural America. Andy, when you look at the Rocking E cattle company, what type of production model do you guys fall into then? Are you guys a feedlot? Are you guys running cow-calf pairs? A little bit of everything? Tell us a little bit about your operation. Well, we are a custom backgrounding uh feed yard. We, we start cattle all the way from 300 pounds on up. Um, we finish cattle from start to finish. Uh, we do have a cow-calf herd. Um, my wife, Melissa, and I, we started this, uh, I started this back in about 2011. I was working a full-time job, started feeding for a friend of ours, um, and then it just kind of continued to grow. We are now feeding, custom feeding about 2,000 head on top of running our cow-calf herd. We do farm a little bit. We're not big into the farming side. Um, our general income is based off of our cattle side. And that uh, here lately, as all of you know, it has been rough um, with the whole COVID-19 thing. Um, but believe it or not, the feed yard has stayed fairly full. Uh, our busiest time of the years is usually from August uh, up till grass season. We get a lot of uh, cattle in to start, and then sometimes you take them to finish, sometimes you don't, and then we send a lot of them to grass uh, the first of May. So it, it's we kind of cover all aspects of the cattle feeding industry from the side of starting cattle to keeping them 100 days, shipping them to a bigger yard if that's what the customer wants, uh, we got some customers that do that, and we got some that we retain retain here in our own yard. And uh, we work with about all the packers. Um, so it's really kind of a, a neat transition for us because it's really fun. To, you get some of them cattle in, and you get to see them from the time they come in to the time that they're fully fat uh, and going to the going to the packing house. Yeah, absolutely. And I would think managing that many head of cattle can lend itself to confusion or um, maybe just the enhancement that you need to have a really great record keeping system. So obviously we wanted to talk to you a little bit more today about performance livestock analytics, which has been honestly one of the probably fastest growing software applications for the cattle industry. Andy, how did you become familiar with the system and how did you make that decision to take a leap and start implementing it into your operation? Well, believe it or not, Delaney, probably three years ago, um, our nutritionist that does all of our nutrition work in our yard, uh, he called me and says, hey, I've got a, a gentleman here that would like to talk to you. I think we've got something that might be a really good fit for you. And I said, okay. 
he came out, visited. And at the time, this is when Performance B first came out, you know, in the very beginning. And we talked to him, well, the scale heads were really expensive. Um, the iPads and everything, you know, just kind of one of them things like, man, I'm just not big enough at the time. I didn't think I could justify it. Um, and there was some things that I didn't like. We didn't have any options to do anything on the health side. It was just more on the feed side. And at the time we had a computer system set up in my office. I did everything with pen and paper in the loader as far as keeping track of feed to each pin. Um, I had a huge notebook that I had to keep track of. Well, as you grow, that just continues more paper, more paper, more paper, and it just got to be too much. So uh, this last year, we finally took uh, the leap, and Alex is who we dealt with on Performance Beef. And I called him and said, hey, I would like to uh, set up a meeting time. I want to look at this again. So he came out. Uh, we went through everything. And I just made the decision I, that me and my wife talked it over and I made the decision that we had to do something. It was just getting doing billing every month was taking way too long. <clears throat> we were losing track of inventory that we couldn't follow, um, not near as tightly as I like to. Um, I am a huge numbers person. So when it comes to my inventory, I like everything to be as dead on as they can be. And it's just one of them that we finally seen the light at the end of the tunnel that we were going to have to make a change. Now, some people think that with this, that they gotta be huge. They got to be big uh, number driven to be able to afford this. Well, the good thing is, is I finally realized that you do not have to have a lot of numbers to be able to justify this now. It is, it is very, very easily, how do I want to put that? You can pay for this so easily. It's not even funny in the first four months. I, I think that a lot of producers can relate to that too, because, you know, going through that, that growth period or that phase, it's hard to make that decision of when do you add something new to the mix? And I think it's, refreshing to hear farmers say that. And I think farmer to farmer always holds a lot more value of the an opinion about using the system. Um, but Andy, I, I don't know how old you are and I don't need to know, but you know, I think the other point or question is you sound like a younger guy. And so you sound like maybe you I are, <laughs> you sound like maybe you're younger and able to pick up doing this type of technology quickly. Is that the case or was there a, a struggle, a learning struggle in using I'll, their I'll, system? I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you, Delaney. I'm 33 years old. Um, for me, it was, it was simple. Um, my, I got one of my older brothers works for me who is, uh, he's in his mid forties and he is not computer savvy at all. I will flat out tell you, he hates computers. He does not like them. And he was so scared to use this. He, did, he, he refused to do chores in the mornings for me because he was scared of screwing it up. Once I got him started, it took me three minutes to run him through it. He was on it as easy as one, two, three. And now he loves it. He can walk himself through it. He knows how to use it. It's very simple and easily to navigate your way through it. 
that is probably the best thing that I love about this program because you don't have to have a lot of computer knowledge to be able to operate it. It is very self-explainable. You can, I mean, just looking at the iPad when you're loading feed, as long as you know how to click two buttons and you know how to hit save and load, you're good. So Andy, let's talk a little bit about what performance beef does for you. What all are you tracking? What sort of metrics are you keeping an eye on? How does it all tie together on your operation? Well, we're, for one, I guess for starters, we, we can track each individual pin by ownership. Um, we can track them by groups. We can go, it gives us the capability now, Mike, of being able to take cattle before where you could do it. It was all by percentages, but now we can take my cattle and say you wanted to go and bring in 20 head to the yard, which was not enough to fill a pin but I have 50 head and then your cattle fit on, I can take your 20 and put them on mine and you still get automatically, it just puts it into the program. It goes by percentage of what I put in for, for head and it breaks it all out for you. Um, you put in the weights, you can put in, put in your weights. Um, the day that them cattle come in, your yardage costs, everything, it tracks it all without having to even pick up a pen and paper. And for me, the nicest thing is, is at the end of the month, when I want to go and do all my billing, all I got to do is go in and select the date from the first of the month to the end of the month. And it will give me your total invoice for that day. As long as everything gets put in there, um, as far as, you know, it tracks your, it tracks all your feed every day. When you feed and you click that pen to feed, it tracks that every day. It tracks every ingredient by ingredient when you load it. So the biggest thing we were having problems with was going over was overages on our feed of each ingredient. Say you're loading, say you're loading corn and you go over a hundred pounds. Well, before we never had a good way to track that because you never exactly, you know, okay, I went over 100 pounds, not a big deal. Well, 100 pounds in 30 days, that's a pretty good chunk of change in today's world. I mean, you think about it, wet feed, wet feed is probably the hardest thing to get dead on with your weights. So being able to track all your overages on every feed ingredient is a huge, huge thing when you're in a commercial yard like us doing what we do. Because now it not only tracks our inventory of every month to let us know where we're at to see, okay, where are, where are we losing dollars? Where are we making dollars on our, on the feed side of things? And it just makes life so easier, so much easier because we were going, when I did billing, it would take me two days sitting down, going through all the billing. I can do my billing now in two hours, literally probably less than two hours with the click of a button. As long as I have everything put in there with the health side, um, because now we track all of our doctoring, all of our pre-vac, all of our in-planning, everything. I can go back and look exactly when them cattle were worked the first time, when they were worked the second time, uh, what implants they had in them without digging through a bunch of papers. All I gotta do is either get on my iPad or go in my office on the computer and I can pull all that up with a click of a button. 
it just has made life so much easier now that you have more time to focus on what you really need to focus on. And that is managing your business. You can also go, it makes it easier for me when talking to a customer, because as long as that customer gives me the right information up front, I can either tell them, tell them their cost of gain every day, or I can tell them where their break even is on their cattle every day by going and looking in their account for that group of cattle and being able to tell you that, well, your break even a day on them fats is $1.05 after feed today. And this is where your projected weight is at. Because before you had to either, like with us, I had it all on a spreadsheet and I had to update it every day. Where now it updates itself. Um, it takes the work out of it for you, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's just crazy to see all this new technology coming online that really does save time and money for farmers. So it's been interesting to hear your take on it. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, Andy, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. It's great to hear of folks being successful and utilizing new technologies. That's one of the things that makes agriculture more efficient, Delaney. It certainly is, including technology that we cover every Tuesday on the podcast. You can go back and listen to any of those past episodes at agnewsdaily.com, or you can always interact with us on social media. Send us your photos, your pictures, your thoughts, what's going on in your neck of the woods, especially we've got some North Dakota folks. I know they're still struggling to get things planted up there. We want to hear from you. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag News Daily. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go, Delaney. <laughs>